the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Your word is sharper than any two-edged sword. And it cuts deep into my heart. The word to stand on for life is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel in San Antonio. A live call-in show here to help you answer your questions about the Bible and how to apply the word to your daily life. For more information on Calvary Chapel, visit our website, calvarysa.com. Get your Bible questions ready and call in now to 210-340-9585. It's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome to the program. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas, and this is The Word to Stand On for Life, a program dedicated to taking your phone calls, answering your Bible questions, life questions, anything and everything that's on your heart. All you have to do is provide the phone call, 210-340-9585, if you're outside the local San Antonio Area, you can call toll free at 877-630-KSLR. That's 630-5757. I have a special guest today. We are recording or coming to you live from Houston, Texas, Calvary, Houston. We are at the Texas, Oklahoma Calvary Chapel Pastors Conference. We're having a great time. And I have a guest today, Bill Holdridge. Um, I never know how to introduce Bill because he does so many things now. Uh, Bill is a former pastor, founding pastor of Calvary Chapel in Monterey, California. And now he's doing some really neat stuff for the rest of us as pastors. And Bill, I'll let you talk about those things. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Ron. Great to be here. So you got an hour. What's on your heart? (laughs) (laughs) Well, the first thing I want to do is say Gail Irwin wants to send his greetings to you. So, oh, bless his heart. Yeah, just talked with him two days ago, and he's doing pretty well. So, good. Yeah. I miss him so much. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's a great brother. Good, good, good. We, I, I said we're at the Houston Conference. Uh, uh, as a, you know, with COVID for the last two years, we haven't been able to get together. There is a big crowd of pastors here. We got something like 80 Calvary chapels in, in uh, Texas and another seven, I think, in Oklahoma City or in Oklahoma. And um, um, I'm just thrilled with the turnout and people are hungry to get together again. Yeah, apparently there are more senior pastors in the, at this conference that Ron's ever had. Uh, for this particular conference, so that's that's really cool. He was excited about that. Yeah, we're we're actually affiliating uh, five new Calvary chapels from my region tomorrow, and then I think there's going to be three or four others uh, from other regions. Hmm. So we're adding to that list tomorrow. I was talking to uh, to to Bill Gim today. Uh, he's from Calvary Chapel in Amarillo, and he said, you know, I was the thirteenth pastor uh, in Texas for Calvary Chapel. And that was 22 years ago. Uh, Bill, when we got here uh, in 1995, I was the fourth Calvary Chapel pastor. Uh, Ron, of course, was here. Uh, Rick Coburn was in Dallas. And we had a a work in Austin. And it's just amazing in, in these 26 years to see what God has done. And you're involved with pastors a lot, obviously. So why don't you explain what you do uh, Poimon ministry means a lot to me, but it doesn't mean a lot to the people listening. Uh, by the way, listeners, we will, if you have any questions for uh, Pastor Bill or for me, we'll be happy to interrupt and, and take your phone calls. But mostly this is going to be a conversation. Um, okay. Tell us who you are. 
Well, I pastored in Monterey, as you said, Ron, and, and 27 years. And after 27 years, I stepped aside from that role and then just wondering what's next. And I'd been in communication with, fellowship with a lot of pastors over the years. And I thought, you know what? I love the church. I love the church of Jesus. And I know that if you can strengthen the church by strengthening the pastor, then the kingdom expands. And so that became uh, something that I just wanted to continue to do. A couple of guys joined me, and eventually it's expanded to 13 couples. But that's that's our main our main ideal is to strengthen pastors, to strengthen, to strengthen churches. And what it's morphed into is a lot of different ways that that happens. I mean, we do church transitions. We do church assessments, kind of like a very in-depth, top-to-bottom consultation type thing. We do uh, coaching, we do mentoring, we do uh, you know, school ministry instruction for future pastors. Uh, we're involved in uh, strengthening and supporting pastors of church plants as it's appropriate. So it just it's a very relational kind of a ministry. You never know what's going to happen. I don't ever know what's going to happen. On a given day when, when I wake up, what's going to happen that day, it's exciting and I'm just really blessed that a bunch of other guys that have also retired from their churches who pastored about 30 years or more, every one of them, are now really thrilled with this, uh, being able to, to do this, you know, for the rest of their lives and making a difference. So it's cool. And, and, you, and you and your wife just recently became Texans. We did. About two years ago, we moved to the great state, the Lone Star State of Texas, <laughs> and it is a great state. And we live in an area that they call uh, Little Jerusalem. It's up in the Garden Valley, Lindell area, where lots of uh, notable ministries have, have lived. David Wilkerson's ministry, Leonard Ravenhill, Keith Green Ministries, a second chapter of Acts. Uh, I was in the gym the other day, and there was Dallas Home working out, <laughs> out to uh, machines away from me, you know. And uh, YWAM, of course, and Mercy Ships, all these ministries. So... It's a great great thing to be around Christians of all different kinds of backgrounds, you know, because there are a lot of mature believers who have a lot of a lot of history and ministry. Clearly, spiritual people are moving to Texas. It, it seems like it, you know, and <laughs> and and uh, well, you know, the thing is that those that are living there in the, like in the Garden Valley, they're they're wondering why are we still here? I mean, here we are in our in my generation, sixties, seventies, and older. And and they're wondering, why are we still here? And I think the conclusion that more and more are arriving at is we're here to help mentor the next generation. And that just thrills me. Yeah. <laughs> and and probably after 27 years of being a pastor, you're thinking, well, what am I going to do with my time? Yeah. And you're probably as busy as you've ever been. Yeah, it's a different kind of busy, but it's a great busy. It's a busy that, you know, I, can, I know uh, how to say no to what isn't in my lane and how to say yes to what is in my lane, you know. And uh, it's a pretty specific lane these days. Thank, thank you for saying yes to this lane because this is a good one. Let me ask you a loaded question, Bill. Uh, two, two, two parts of it. What's the state of the church and what's the state of Calvary Chapel? The state of the church, man, that's a big question. And uh, I'm hoping and praying that COVID will have ultimately a great effect upon the church. Um, and so the state of the church is that one of the things that's happened is that churches that were teaching the Bible that stayed open during COVID or reopened very early during the pandemic, uh, people from churches that had closed down for one reason or another, and there's no condemnation upon those decisions. Those are their, their decisions. But people wanted to go to church. They yeah. wanted to connect with other people. So they go to the churches that are open, and when they found a Bible teaching through the scriptures church, many people are having the reaction. We've never, we didn't even know that this existed, that this was a possibility yeah. in a church thing. And so those churches are doing well and that's great. And hopefully that's going to be an encouragement for churches who haven't learned to just go through the scriptures that, Hey, you know what? You can do this. You can do this and let the word of God speak. And you can let the Holy spirit use the word of God in people and your church will actually expand in, in kingdom-wise, not just in numbers, but kingdom-wise in terms of depth and discipleship. And a lot of, a lot of uh, people in the ministry today s still haven't gotten that memo that yeah. 
that that's that's the most effective way to teach the Bible. You, you know, we are we are fortunate to live in a state where our governor is a Christian. Yes, uh, he's conservative, and uh, he enabled us to get back to doing what we do more quickly than than in any of the other states. And our church was a great example. You know, we uh, we we closed like everybody else at the beginning. Everybody thought millions and millions of people are going to die. Uh, and, and actually, our church, Calvary Chapel of San Antonio, um, had 10 days of infamy, I call it. Uh, we had over 50 people get COVID right at the beginning. Mm. And so everybody was super spreaders. And I don't know how you could, in good conscience, do this. And, uh, you know, the truth is, we all sort of had a herd immunity as a result of that. And when he opened, we opened. And, and all those new people that are continually coming uh, we're standing room only three services wow. on on Sundays as a result, so it's really good. So so the state of Calvary Chapel, we're here at the Calvary Chapel Conference. Mm-hmm. So what do you think? You, you've been around for a long time. There are so many great things that are happening. One of the mm-hmm. one of the things that's really thrilling me, Ron, right now is the is what's going on in the in Latin American countries and uh, as far as the spread of this thing that we've inherited back to the days of the Jesus movement, Bible teaching, spirit, uh, regulated life in Christ, that kind of stuff. That's really thrilling. Church planting is starting to make uh, more of a splash. Like you're, you're going to be uh, um, affiliating five more pastors that are planting mm-hmm. churches in, the, in and around the San Antonio area, right? Well, my, my region is all the way from Temple, Texas, uh, to Corpus Christi, okay. all the way west. So it's a it's a large region. But you know what thrills me about it, Bill, is a lot of these guys are going into small communities. Yeah, and it's it's not just the guy looking for the the to make the big splash. Yeah, uh, you know where I can get some people in the church all of a sudden. Uh, we've we've got a lot of small towns in Texas, and and we've got people spreading out into the hill country and beyond. Um, and uh, you know Jesus loves them too. Yeah. So that's really exciting. And then something Sandy Adams shared during our, our lunchtime today was also a great blessing to hear. Uh, and that is that uh, as as Calvary Chapel has continued on after Pastor Chuck's going to heaven, uh, you know, the typical thing would be that there's more of a centralization of yeah. organization, administration, and even power. But in the case of CCA, they're decentralizing. They want the regions to be uh, what really uh, activates life within those regions. And I think that's really good, a, a decentralization. So I was thrilled to hear that. But I knew, I saw that. I've seen that happening all over the place. And, you know, guys are just thinking, you know what? I better find fellowship in my own area. I better find fellowship around me. Who, who else does ministry or thinks ministry like I do? Let's get together. Let's, let's commune together. Let's share our lives with one another. And I see that happening more, too. Yeah, you know, Bill, as people get younger and younger, um, the, the pastors that yeah. are being called, um, one of the things that I, I, they, they seem to have lost touch with, if, if they ever understood it, was, was the, the gift of simplicity that Pastor Chuck mm-hmm. gave us. Mm-hmm. Um, you didn't have to be showy. You didn't have to have this great flamboyant style it just just open the bible and teach it and let mm-hmm. god worry about who's going to come mm-hmm. um and and a lot of the younger men have sort of lost that day and you know the the, the, the we get roped into the well let's do what everybody else is doing right. and i see a return to that you know uh people realizing and i think one of the the the, the teachers in the session said it today uh, hey i can do this I can just teach the Bible. I don't have to be a showman. I don't have to do. And and um, that's what we're seeing here in Texas in particular. And I'm absolutely thrilled to see the, the numbers of people that are coming in. And, and I'm looking for a, a genuine move of God's spirit Amen. as we're moving from California, which is where the Jesus movement began. One of the things I think that is, is sort of a, a catapult to this is uh, the, the return to our conference theme is just Jesus. I've been telling people that the theme at our church is just be with Jesus. It's really that simple. And I think people are starting to realize, you know, that's really the key. Paul talked about learning the secret of being content in every circumstance. And I'm, I'm convinced that's the secret. 
Mm-hmm. If I hang out with Jesus, I'm going to be content in his presence as a fullness of joy. And and if I'm not hanging out with Jesus, then I'm not going to be content because all those other messages come in. What would you say? And you 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 uh, mentor a lot of pastors. Uh, what would you say to somebody who's saying, well, I think I'm called to be a pastor, but I don't know how to go about it? Well, I, I would I would say that if if they want to go into ministry as a pastor, first of all, they have to be sure that they're called as a pastor teacher. That's first. Most of the pastor teacher in, in the world are not senior pastors. Yeah. So make sure you're you're called as a, as a as a pastor teacher. And then if you feel like the Lord is leading you into the role of a senior pastor, it's a completely different animal than being a pastor teacher on another level. So make sure you are, because if you're not called, you're either uh, really called or you're certifiably insane for trying to do it, you know, because it's too hard. It's impossible, uh, especially in the energy of the flesh. So I would say if you want to get prepared, do ministry with somebody that you respect and get raised up under their ministry in their church. So that when there's a sending out, you're prepared. You're prepared theologically. You're prepared biblically. You're prepared philosophy philosophy of ministry-wise. You know how to be with people. You know how to uh, minister to people. You're a lover of people. Follow those examples. And then when it's time for you to go out and plant, then the mechanics of it can be, can be taught then. Mm-hmm. But you can't get the heart of it unless you're within a local church body. Yeah. And, and you know, when you said when it's time and, and we've got to resist being impatient, you know, uh, planting a church, as yeah. an example, has has a, a, an Indiana Jones adventure feel to it. Mm-hmm. We, in our mind, it's going to be great. We're going to start and we're going to struggle for a little bit, but then people are going to start to show up and we're going to change the world for Jesus. And it's just not like that. Mm-hmm. And until you're grounded and effectively serving in a in a ship. Uh, until you've got a philosophy of ministry and a support system. Mm-hmm. And I'm not talking about money mm-hmm. as a support system, although that helps when possible. We've planted over, I think, 37 churches out of our church, and, and, and we don't have money to give to people. But we've got people to give to people. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've got, I think, six or seven of the guys that are here um, who, uh, when they started, we sent 50 people with them. Well, we can't get any more people in our room. And, and, and that kind of support is invaluable. And almost without exception, the people come back and say, I didn't think it was going to be this hard. Mm-hmm. It's exciting. I mean, to walk in the spirit of God, it's risky, it's exciting, mm-hmm. but it's hard. Mm-hmm. It's hard. And you deal with people all the time who are just sort of slapped in the face with the reality of it. Yeah. And those early years of ministry are character building uh, years and they're they're absolutely necessary. It's amazing that the Lord lets us do ministry during those character building years. You know, because <laughs> we can hurt people. <laughs> we can hurt people, yeah. And we look back and we we always say, boy, if I only would have known then what I know now. But most of that is the internal stuff. You know, like how to be patient with people and how not to be defensive and how to how to give things away and how to invest in others and not be afraid of of things like competition motives mm-hmm. and things like that, you know, just being secure in and in and of our ourselves and our relationship with Christ. I think that's huge. <laughs> you know, our life verse for, for people that we're sending out is first Corinthians four, two, it is required, not suggested. Mm-hmm. It's required that every man given a trust by God must prove faithful. And, um, the first couple of years in particular, uh, your marriage is being tested because mm-hmm. Your wife's not a pastor, but she's in ministry with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got to be in it together. How can two walk together unless they agree to do so? Mm-hmm. But not only um, is it a test for your marriage, but it's it's a test of you. What are your motives? Mm-hmm. Uh, if you won't teach the word with ten people, you're waiting for a hundred or a thousand. Then your motives aren't right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> yeah, and I think I think with you know the idea of planting a church. A, a pastor, a church planner, he's got to have the right treasure in his mind. And the right treasure in his mind is, I'm doing this because this is Jesus' bride, and I am called as an assisting pastor to the Lord Jesus to feed and to tend his flock. 
So I want to do it like he does it. So this is what I'm called to do. And what he's commissioned us to do is to evangelize and make disciples. So that's the end game. That's what I'm after. But if we resort to the end game being a large church, if that's the goal, if that's the treasure, then people are apt to do just about anything to make that happen. But if the end game is Christ-likeness and discipleship, then there are only certain things that can be done to attain that goal. And that's dependence upon the spirit and the word of God. Yeah. You can't give away what you don't have. You can't give away. Yeah, that's right. And I think another thing that church planters are, are uh, particularly vulnerable to is, is like you said, not being patient enough. And one of the ways that that's indicated is that they, they launch too soon their first service before they have leadership team in place. Who's going to do children's ministry? Who's going to be ushers? Who's going to handle bookkeeping? Who's going to be the board of directors? And very few of those things are in place. So they launch, and now everything falls on the shoulders of the planting pastor and his wife. And I've seen that paradigm go on for 10, 12, 15 years, and they've got a small little congregation because nobody else is doing anything, and nobody has been raised up in leadership, and it's that guy and his wife doing everything, and they're many times bivocational. So they're burning the candle at both ends and they burn out and eventually they quit the ministry and you don't hear from them again. (laughs) And the church just kind of shrivels up, you know, and that's a, that's a sad state, but wait long enough until you've got a team established that has likewise been trained and, you know, gone through the fires of trials and chastening, then uh, it's a lot better to predict uh, success. You know, Bill, we, we, um, I was only a Christian four years when we came here to plant this church. I, I was older when I got saved, and um, I had no idea what to do. We had a, a guy on a radio program, or had a radio program. I had a 10-minute radio program on, on Saturdays, and it was a little bit of old hymn music, and, and, and he had a five-minute interview with the pastor. And and he interviewed me. I, I have no idea why, other than maybe somebody else canceled at the last minute. He was in my neighborhood and his first question was, so so, how do you plant a church from scratch? And I remember looking at him saying, you know, I've got no idea. If I'm still around in five years, come and ask me. Maybe I'll have a better idea. But one of the things that, that, that I did well, we did well at Calvary Chapels, we didn't try to do what we couldn't do. Um, my wife was not the children's ministry leader because she was a woman and she was my wife. Uh, her job was to be there and minister to people with the gifts God has given her mm-hmm. and, and ministering to children wasn't. And so when people would ask questions, well, what about a high school ministry? What about that? And my, my, my response was, was, are you volunteering? And, and, and you know what? A lot of people in those early days stepped up. And those are the days when we were passing the tests and, and you learned to see the hand of God move. I think too often mm-hmm. nowadays we want to see the hand of the pastor move instead of seeing the hand of God move. Amen. And I think that's really, really important. I had a, we're inside four minutes now for this half of the, of the program, Bill, but I had a, um, a, a prod papa moment today. One of my guys that I sent out, um, we sent him out and then COVID happened. So it's, it's like a wasted year, at least the full first year. And he said to me, he said, he says, I'm taking that step. And I said, what step? And he said, I'm going full time. And I've taught my guys, and you may disagree with this, and, and, and I realize situations are different, but, but I've told all the guys, if you're really called to be a pastor, God wants you to pastor the people he brings. And I've always believed if you've got 10 families in the church, you can support a pastor, mm-hmm. and he can live at the median level of the people that are there. And so I've always told them, the, the thing you need most isn't a building, the thing you need the most isn't a, 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 an elder board or a, a, a rock and worship band, what your church needs the most is a pastor who's available to him. Mm. And and he's been not counting the first COVID year. Uh, he's now a little over a year. And and he's uh, he's going full time. And I just hugged him and said, you know how pleased the Lord is with you. I mean, those steps of faith are unbelievable. Now, you encounter bivocational pastors mm-hmm. uh, all over the country. Mm-hmm. So it's different from place to place. Mm-hmm. But... Well, I love what you're saying. I mean, ideally, that's that's the way to do it. Shepherd needs to be available. Back when we started in Monterey, I inherited a group of ex-communal pastors from the Shiloh <laughs> commune that oh, I'd been goodness. part of. Yeah, and they were trying to become a Calvary Chapel. They didn't know what, what really what to do, so they asked me, who was living in the area, 
if I'd take take over the fellowship and and really lead it and make it a Calvary Chapel. And so I had this group of guys, and uh, the 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 ones that formed my board, my initial board. They said, "Well, we'd like you to be full time." So, uh, Terry, what do you make? <laughs> What's ten percent of that, John? What do you make? They went around the room, yeah. you know, and so they came up with an eight hundred dollar a month salary, which was a raise for me <laughs> from what I'd been making painting houses back then, and uh, I was able to do it from the beginning. And so, since nineteen seventy nine until the present, the Lord has taken care of our needs, of course, but uh, enabled the church to to have a full time pastor. Something, something to think about when for, when we come back on the other side of the break. Uh, I'm interested in in the process of, okay, you're no longer employed by the church. You're going to go out on your own. Uh, God didn't send you a, 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 an email that says, okay, I'm going to give you this every month. I'd like to, I'd like to talk about that kind okay. of transition, All right. All right. if you would, a little bit. Sure. Hey, we've got uh, a little over 30 minutes left in the program. We love any calls or questions that you have for Pastor Bill. 340 for your live calls and or questions. If you're outside the local San Antonio area, you can call toll-free at 877-630-KSLR. This is The Word to Stand On for Life. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas, and we will be back in two minutes. back to the word to stand on for life we're taking your calls at 340-9585 or toll free 877-630-KSLR now here's pastor ron arbaugh welcome back to the program 340-9585 for your live calls and questions i'm privileged to have pastor bill holdridge from Poyman ministries in studio with me, and I get carried away with Bill. I didn't even give the phone number during the first half of the program. I just love talking to him so much, and I'm so blessed by what he does, uh, not just for the body of Christ, but I personally have been blessed by his ministry. Bill, one of the things that I love about the Lord, as we get older, and, and I'll talk about transitions a little bit if we get to it in this, this half, but uh, as we get older, the natural tendency is to think, okay, well, well, we've done everything. We've served the Lord, and God's going to sort of let things just go. One thing that never changes is that walking by faith is an essential. Mm-hmm. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So God wouldn't put somebody our age in a situation where we couldn't please him. And so he keeps stretching us. That's why I asked about uh, the process. You know, you, you leave a church that was uh, flourishing, um, a, a paycheck, your family, you've got all the things the rest of us have. And and then he says, okay, let's take the step of faith. And he probably didn't email you the itinerary. <laughs> <laughs> it's been an adventure. But, you know, he is so faithful. And when we started Poyman, we made the agreement among our, our group of three that were on our initial board we're going to be supported like missionaries are. And, you know, we're going to communicate with people what we do, but we're not going to ever ask for money. Good for you. Full information oh. without solicitation, you know. And, you know, the unfortunate thing within our tribe, Ron, is that many of the guys opted out of Social Security earlier in their ministry careers. Rapture fever. Yeah, rapture <laughs> fever. And I did too. And the result was that, there isn't that nice, sweet, fat Social Security check. Well, it's becoming thinner by the by the yeah, week, yeah, but yeah. Uh, uh, isn't going to be available. So uh, that's a challenge. So how does it happen? I don't know how it happens. I mean, I know that uh, churches can be generous when we when we come and serve them and that type of thing. And you know, we get questions. Uh, what do you charge for this? What do you charge? We don't charge for this. We mm-hmm. don't charge for that. But to just help the other pastors on our team with those awkward questions, I asked the board if they'd put together just a, a suggested, very suggested, <laughs> you know, uh, thing. And that's, that's helped some, some of them, but they rarely even use it. So it's just been a walk by faith. And my wife and I, we lost, uh, early in our marriage, you know, this is my second marriage. We've been married 15 years and, uh, we lost 50, we lost all our savings 
through a, a Ponzi sc oh, scheme I did not know that, that was not a, an intentional thing, but it was something that happened, you know, a friend of mine actually was involved in it. And anyway, we lost it. But, you know, the Lord, again, is so faithful. He he has enabled us to not just recoup that, but but uh, really uh, do better than that. So uh, combined with a different number of factors, you know, the Lord just takes care of us. And we're, we're just really happy. You know, whether you're 25 or 35 or our age group, and I don't need to say how old that is, but... Um, that, that initial step of faith is, is it's just, I, God, I trust you. Yeah, you I know, trust you. Pastor Chuck used to say, where God guides, God provides. And a lot of us misinterpreted that. Well, if God's guiding, then I'll have everything I need. Right. Not the case. Right. You have what you need when you need it. Right. God's never late, but sadly, he's never early either. And, and our faith needs to be stretched. Right. And uh, faith is like a muscle. It needs to be exercised to grow. It does. And um, in order for that to happen, by definition, you're in, in some places where you go, okay, I'm taking this step, but I have no idea. And a lot of people would say that's irresponsible, mm -hmm. but, but God's got a pretty good track record, doesn't he? Yeah, and his calling and his direction is the key. If I know he's calling me, I know he's going to take care of me. Because Matthew 6.33 is true, is true. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things will be added to you. You know, so we moved to Monterey in 1978 with two Volkswagens, $125 in a banking account, and a little bit of furniture, and that was it. And the Lord provided. <laughs> provided work, provided job, and then eventually I'm the pastor of a church with a raise from $600 a month to $800 a month <laughs> instantly, you know. Hey, this ministry thing is pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool. <laughs> but, you know, now we're facing our our latter years and you know, how many more income producing years do I have left? I don't know. The Lord knows. And who knows what's going to happen with social security system? Who knows what's going to happen with the, the inflation cycles that we're experiencing now? We don't know. So why can't we trust the Lord now? Like we did then, why can't we live by faith now? Like we did then. And you know, uh, I think that's the case and we just need to. And for the for the pastors that may be listening to this that did opt out of social security, think of of the plan that Jesus has for you for the rest of your years. And I think about Hezekiah a lot, you know, when he was told that the Babylonians would come and take over the temple and destroy it and destroy the city of Jerusalem, but it's not going to happen in your lifetime. It's going to happen after you're dead. Hezekiah's reaction was, well, at least there's going to be peace and truth in my days. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's not the right reaction. Yeah. You know, I mean, the hell... Revealed the, a little the, bit of a heart issue, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, <laughs> a little bit of a heart issue, you know. So there is, as long as we've got a pulse, there's still something for us to do. And there's lots of uh, accumulated wisdom with hundreds and thousands of retired pastors all over the landscape <laughs> that need to be passing this on somewhere, somehow. You know, one of the things that um, we deal with a lot at our church, we, we have a, a really diverse church um, in every way, age, economic group, race, nationalities, backgrounds, really, really diverse. And I am constantly pounding on the older men to get involved. Insert yourself in the lives of these younger men. They need you. Um, it, it, younger people, if you're, you're struggling in your marriage, you're two, three years in, and who isn't struggling in their marriage two, three years in, Go find somebody who's been married for 40 years and walking with Jesus and make a friend of them. Take them to lunch and get to know them. And I, I just think it, it's in our American mindset that when we get older, we become useless. So we sort of back away and, and God's spirit hasn't any less power. Mm -hmm. And I just think we need to do that. You know, Bill, one of the questions that I get asked the most often in this program that I, I can't answer Um you said a moment ago, uh, if it's really God's call, then you can trust him. Um, the question is, well, how do you know when it's God's call? And my answer is so inadequate. It's just, I, I don't know, but you'll know. Yeah. you have a better answer? <laughs> no, that's about as good as it gets. Uh, I don't know, but I'll know when I know. And, <laughs> and that's true. But, you know, we look at the word of God. You know, the, the, God speaks to us through the word. And I've, I've never been confident in a solid word of guidance I've received unless there's some kind of confirming scripture. And, you know, we call that rhema, when the Lord yep. speaks to us with the word, whether we're reading it or not. Somehow he speaks his word into our spirits, and we just know it was the Lord. Like, for example, I was in Monterey before we moved, I mean, in, in uh, Southern California, before we moved to Monterey, 
And I'm, I, what I was praying about was, Lord, I want to be able to share the word more. I've got opportunities now, but I really believe like you've put so much in me. I want to share more of who you are. And that's my passion. And as I was praying one day about that, the Lord just interrupted my my prayer time. And it was a verse of scripture. As every man has received the gift, so let him minister the same as a good steward of the grace of God. And then he began to speak to my heart. I'm going to give to you the ministry of the word of God as a stewardship. You're going to be able to teach really as much as you'd like, but take care of it and do it right and do it well. <laughs> and that was my calling. So that was his, his confirmation, his direction. And on the basis of that, we relocated to another part of the state of California and started what we were doing. Well, you know, because we've talked before, um, that, that we do a lot of free stuff. In fact, everything in our church is free. And and people are always questioning me, how do you know it's free? And the same way, the Word of God, I, I'm struggling with this issue. God, do you want to start a school? I don't know how to start a school. We don't have any money. And, and um, um, freely you have received now freely give and it was god answering directly that question that that desire from my heart um i was in bible college in in 1994 and and i've always had the habit of just taking walks with the lord and that's my time alone with no distractions and i was uh, at uh, um, lake arrowhead or actually twin peaks where the where the bible college was then and um just on a beautiful morning um, walking with the Lord. It's March 4th, 1994. And I know that because I wrote it down, I've got a date and wrote it in my Bible as soon as I got back. Um, the Lord interrupted my prayer time and and very spoke a rainbow word to my heart. He said, begin praying for the people of San Antonio, Texas. Mm. Now, we'd never been to Texas. We didn't know anybody in Texas. And when you're from California, you don't want to know anybody in Texas. And so uh, I just, it was so profound that I, I just said, okay, well, I'll, I'll begin praying. And I, I've still got that Bible where it's written in there, dated and timed. And I just knew that was from the Lord. Now, I didn't know what he was going to do with that. Uh, I, I, I dutifully prayed for a couple of weeks. And then the Lord put on my heart, well, aren't you going to ask me why? And I said, okay, Lord, why am I praying for the people of San Antonio? And he spoke to my heart and he said, that's where I'll be waiting for you. That's the only promise I had. He didn't promise me a church. He didn't promise me. I knew I was called to be a pastor at that point, but he didn't promise me anything else. But that's where the faith gets mixed in with the word. Do you, do you really love the word? Mm-hmm. I, I tell pastors all the time, if you aren't a, a, a devourer of his word, mm-hmm. then you're not called to be a pastor. Mm-hmm. If you don't love it, mm-hmm. I mean, love it, love it, it mm-hmm. then you're not called to be a pastor. Mm-hmm. But if you are, and you know what it says, you know the promise you make, I think too many of us, Bill, we, we, uh, we, we take the approach with God that we have a choice when he tells us what to do mm-hmm. rather than he gives the orders, we follow him. Mm-hmm. And, and first time I was ever in Texas was when we showed up to start a church with no money and uh, broke down truck. And, and uh, God has been so faithful. And one of the things that has influenced my life more than anything else, I think, is the number of times I've seen God do impossible stuff. We've seen the hand of God move through our lives. And once you get a taste of that, <laughs> you don't want anything less. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Let's switch the subject here real quickly. Okay. I'm, uh, you, you've been talking a lot in our correspondence with with pastors about transitions. Yeah. Um, it doesn't take a, a genius to go out into this pastor's conference and look around and see that there's a whole bunch of us mm-hmm. who look like us now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we were young once, but we're not anymore. <laughs> and, and should Jesus tarry, yeah. we want to leave the work that God, we've committed our lives, but we want to leave it in good hands. Right. Would you take just a few minutes and talk about some of the, the, the transition issues we have? Obviously, uh, some pastors just don't want to let go. Um, um, you know, that's, that identifies who we are rather than just servants of Christ. But mm-hmm. what are some of the things that you've been talking about? Well, another issue is, is the fear of what's going to happen financially without a pastorate. And this is really, really bothering a lot of pastors because they didn't go into ministry for money. Mm-hmm. And to the idea of staying in ministry because they need money is really a conflict in, inside of their spirits. Mm-hmm. So, so they almost hate themselves for that. 
But so, but sixty five, seventy years old is hard to start over and go yeah, do something. It is, else. yeah, it is. So if they know at sixty five and they still got reasonable health, then start planning right now for the next version of yourself. You can uh, you can create a five hundred one c three around a ministry passion that you have. You can join uh, join an existing ministry. You can. Uh, become a missionary. You can become an instructor at a Bible college. I mean, there are a lot of options for legitimate disciple-making things to do, given that experience. So that the fear of, of retirement. But then, of course, you know, we don't ever suggest that at a certain age somebody should step down. I mean, a person is viable as long as they're able to communicate across generations and still lead and still teach the Bible coherently, you know, they're viable. So only the Lord can show a man when it's time for him to do it. But let's just say for the scenario of a guy who's, who's pastoring maybe a little bit younger, maybe he's in his fifties and he's thinking, I got years left. I'm not going to think about transition. Well, what if, what if Jesus came back? What if Jesus doesn't come back before you're done with your pastorate? Regardless of whether you step down or not, he doesn't come back. You're not done, and he does. Whatever the case, somebody else is going to pastor your church. So why not pastor your church like a transitional pastor would pastor a church? You're looking for your successor. You're pouring into your successor. You're la you're raising up a team of leaders. Why not pastor your church that way? And uh, doing that, whether Jesus returns or not. And you get to that age, you're ready to go, and then be thinking about what you're going to do after the later years. I, When I exercised in my 20s and 30s and 40s, it wasn't because I wanted to be in better shape in my 20s, 30s, and 40s. <laughs> it's because when I started having grandkids, I wanted to be able to hang out with them yeah. and do what they did. And that's foresight. And I think that, that we just need to have that. I think a lot of times we, we look at the pastorate as um, my forum to communicate with people and they need me and, and we all want to be needed. Yeah. Um, but, but I, I think probably a better use of that sense of, I want to be needed is as you suggested, pouring into young people. Yeah. Um, I, I have, um, two kids. I, I, we just passed them in the hallway. Uh, they're my youth pastors. They were born at Calvary Chapel of San Antonio. And, um, the time that I've spent with them, the churches that we've planted, uh, everybody on my staff has, has been part of our pastor's discipleship class for all these years. And and I guess it's like a parent who didn't do so great with their kids but has a second chance with grandkids. <laughs> it's really thrilling and fulfilling to see the work you've done in people's lives play out and they get to experience the hand of God move in their lives. There's no age. I think sometimes we older guys are more effective, maybe not as good in the pulpit as we once were. I can't see, you know that. Um, but, but, but we've also got a whole bunch of equity mm -hmm. in the hearts and the minds of we the do. people. So, uh, uh, I think we, we ought to be, as you suggested, planning that transition, um, because at some point we're going to go be with Jesus one way or the other. Yeah. Well, that's why I go back to the idea of the calling of as, as pastor-teacher. Because senior pastor is only one way to fulfill the calling of pastor-teacher, right? So if a, if a senior pastor slides out of that role, he's still a pastor-teacher, he slides into another role, it's a lateral move. It's not a downward move. It's not a demotion to no longer be a senior pastor. So right now, any existing pastor needs to be working on what is their proper view of themselves as Jesus gives it? I called you as a pastor teacher to equip the saints for the work of the ministry for the building of the body of Christ. That's your that's your mission. So whether you're a senior pastor or not, if you slide out of that role, it's a lateral move. You're still a pastor teacher. And just function that way and just continue. And there are a myriad of ways to function as a senior pastor in God's world that, that don't require a senior pastor role to do it. Uh, and and that's just important. I mean, we we need to realize that we're obviously expendable. We're expendable, but on the other hand, the Lord raises up a pastor teacher, pours into that man, and then presents that man as a gift to the body of Christ. Yeah. There's no way to to say that any differently, in my opinion. And so 
you still are that, even if you're not in the senior pastor role. You're still a gift to the body of Christ. So find out what what the sweet spot is in which you can continue to, to use that gift. I, I think this hurts people's feelings sometimes, but I say often that, that God doesn't need any of us. He delights to use us. But we have to remember that, that it's his church. They're his people. And we have said over and over that we're his servant. And I think it's in times like this where that really gets tested. Mm-hmm. It's just a tough thing to do. Uh, right or wrong, um, uh, from your perspective, um, uh, we we have a transition, a succession plan. Not We're not in a transition yet, mm-hmm. but we have a succession plan. Pastor Ken um, uh, will take over for me. Um, and, and I've felt all along like the best thing I could do as the founding pastor of a church for Pastor Ken, when it's time to hand him the keys to the church, is to get out of his way <laughs> and go somewhere else and and whatever the next step God's. But but rather than have my shadow hovering over yeah. um, what he's going to do, I don't want anybody thinking, well, well, Pastor Ron wouldn't do it like this, or he would have said it this way. What do you think? I agree, and I think that at the minimum, the pastor should get out of Dodge for three months, meaning just physically get out of the county, out of the state, and probably more likely even longer. And then create no expectations of the next pastor of what my role is going to be in the church that he's now senior pastor of. Let him be the one that decides that. If there, if I'm going to stay in the church, uh, which can happen sometimes, so other times pastors aren't wired to do that. They can't stay in the church they pastor because they're looking around thinking, I didn't do it like that. <laughs> you know, you have to be able to let go completely. Pastors that stay on the boards of the churches that they transition over to somebody else, mistake. Uh, it doesn't usually end well. Maybe some control issues. Control issues, yeah. <laughs> Unless it's, it's by agreement that yeah. I'm going to be, he's young and inexperienced on the business side of things, so I'm gonna, I'll be part of a transition board for six months or something. At the end of six months, I'm done. Something like that may be an extenuating circumstance, but uh, for the most part, it's not a good idea. Have to be able to let go. Yeah. You know, it's not my church. Yeah. It's Jesus's church. He used me for part of it, but that's it. And, and 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 that's a that's a hard thing to come out of your lips. Yeah, this is this is my baby. We we came here where there was nothing and and no one. Um, uh, we we've been um, for twenty six and a half years. Um, for the first time, I've hired an administrative pastor, um, and and I, I've been the administrating pastor all this time mm. with my office manager, but but Pastor Ken doesn't have the same gifting that I do. His gifting is different, mm-hmm. and so part of our succession plan is bringing in administ. Now we don't bring people in from the outside, but but everybody that has been raised up from our church, uh, but we we've got a man who's gifted. Um, everybody loves him. He's been with us now for a number of years and he knows us and we know him. He's been tested and proven. Every man given a trust by God must prove faithful. Mm-hmm. And he, and he has. Um, and so we're starting that transition um, um, to, to, to give him every chance to succeed. In your case, uh, you handed your church over to a son. No. No, I didn't. When I left, uh, the board decided to bring in Roger Scalise, longtime Calvary Chapel pastor and missionary. Mm -hmm. And he was was living in the area, and he assumed the leadership of the church. After one year, he looked around and said, well, the church has a building project, and all of this stuff is going to have to happen. I'm a missionary. I don't do building projects. You know, that's just not my thing. So he poured into my son for the next year and told him, at this time next year, you're going to be the new pastor. And he let the church know at the appropriate time. And by that time, it so was... So that wasn't, it wasn't even your your choice? No, it wasn't. Well, he was my choice. Yeah. But when when I stepped aside from that role, uh, I don't think the the board was ready for to name Nate, You know, even though I thought he was ready. Mm-hmm. But that additional two years was perfect, and he was rescued from any charge of nepotism. <laughs> And 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 he's doing a wonderful job. Oh, he's it's I've amazing. I've listened to Nate teach. Oh, and I know I've, I attend the church from time to time, and it's a joy to see. It's a different church, but the same ethos is there. The same dependence upon the Spirit. The same dependence upon the Word. 
and he's a, a really good Bible teacher, and, and it's really going well. Bill, time flies. We're, we're now just a little over two minutes left in the program. Okay. Just share your heart. What, what do you want to say to people other than just be with Jesus? That's usually how I end it. Well, you know what, over the course of our life, you know, it starts with conversion and then it goes into the character development stage of our lives where we learn about trials and chastening and the word and hearing God's voice and those kinds of things, the internal life. And then we discover our, the gifts that God gives us and that we tend to be used by. And then we move into a time where we think, well, this is how, the, how generally the Lord seems to be working in my life. We discover ministries that that works in. And then we, we float that boat for, for years. And then we come into another stage of life where, where we're able to say no to pretty much everything but what's really in our lane. That's the sweet spot. Very few reach that sweet spot, according to some leadership uh, gurus. And then at the tail end of our lives, the very end of it, we can look back. And that's the, uh, that's the twilight. That's where we're looking back. It's the afterglow. We're looking back mm -hmm. and saying, okay. I still have influence. God's still using me, but I'm not able to do much of the stuff that I used to do. Last question. You're yeah. around pastors all the time. Do yeah. you miss being a pastor? I miss the, the weekly feeding of one particular flock. Yeah. But I've got a lot of great relationships that, that scratch that itch of, of shepherding. You know, pastor. I'm not anybody's mm -hmm. pastor, really, particularly. Mm -hmm. And I don't look at myself as a pastor of the, of the pastors that I'm, that I'm strengthening or helping. But... That scratches that same itch. Yeah, there's nothing quite like watching somebody grow. There is nothing like it. Nothing awesome. like that. The, the, the mess that comes in and the, the delight that goes mm. out, it's just an amazing thing. It is. Hey, thank you for tuning in today. Go to church this weekend. Go to church and ask God to show you somebody that needs prayer, somebody that needs to be encouraged. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Lord willing, I'll be back on Monday on AM 630 The Word. We'll see you then. Thanks for spending this time with Calvary Chapel's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The Word to Stand On for Life is on every weekday afternoon at 4, and Pastor Ron invites you to find out more about Calvary Chapel at calvarysa.com. The Word to Stand On for Life was sponsored by Calvary Chapel of San Antonio. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.